Welcome to the Adventure Deficit Podcast. We're here to promote lifelong learning through the context of adventure. Through our one-on-one interviews, we capture in-depth stories across a variety of subjects, emphasizing a new life lesson in every episode. We're on a mission to entertain, educate, and inspire you to embrace new challenges, reflect, push through fears, and get out there in search of your own adventures. We passionately pursue good story, and we'll run, climb, wade, ride, hunt, ski, or paddle our way into new ones, all in search of continual growth. We call it taking our medicine, and we invite you to join us for today's dose. And just to jog your memory, I went through our show notes and I was like, dude, this is going to be a really fun episode. So Cody, this is where you were. When we last chatted, it was August of 2017. Okay. So you were wow. in- Wow. That's, that's an interesting timing. Yeah. You were in Oregon yeah. and you were just thinking about selling your house and moving to Bozeman. Yeah. And, or at least you were underway. It was like you were in that transition and you were thinking about moving to Bozeman. You had Powder River cartridge. You had- the rich outdoors. You did not have Muley Mondays. You did not have, I don't believe you had back, uh, what is your, uh, backcountry fuel wasn't even a thought yet. Okay. So you did not have that. You weren't married as far as I'm, as as far as I remember. Is that right? Yeah, that was not, this is all Instagram. I mean, it's like, yeah, it feels That's funny. No, that's what I say, dude. It's an interesting time, uh, for sure. Cause like, I feel like in sense then it has been, things going 100 miles an hour right it hasn't slowed down right yeah um and a lot's changed for me too man so um i'm just looking forward to kind of going through that but here's the common thread ready yeah this is what you told me in august of 2017 i really hope this is accurate because i could get called out here and it's like completely inaccurate no no man that's not my intent like I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, Here you go. This is what you said. All right. So I wrote, I I just wrote some bullet points. Six day bull hunt, soaked, miserable, headed back to town to recharge, grabbed a cheeseburger, went back out, same spot, the biggest six by six I'd ever seen. Steps out, I cow call, I let it rip. And it was like the, it was like euphoric. That was like the highlight, right? Yeah. Your life lesson was never give up. You don't know what's going to happen. Totally. Yeah. And my whole point in doing this entire thing is, all right, so where did you take that life lesson and apply it to your life? Right. Well, now I've got four years of growth or three years of growth. And I'm going to say, where have you, where have you lived by that mantra? Never give up. You don't know what's going to happen. Dude, that's interesting. Um, so, to flip, the, I'll, I'll answer the question. But first, I want to flip the script. What episode was that for you? Because I remember it was pretty early. You had just started. Um, yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah, and so you. I mean, I, you, you're still going. Like, and we're we're still cooking along. Uh, but to answer your question, man, there's definitely days uh, where it's like. I have no idea what I'm doing. And, you know, I think it's easy to look, you know, let's just say Instagram or the highlight reel of anyone mm-hmm. and they come in, they got to figure it out. And that's definitely not the case. Uh, but I mean the same, you know, and I think that was you know, one of those life lessons that kind of stuck with me. It's like, man, you got to just keep going and keep doing and 
keep doing it, keep doing. Um, and maybe you're on the wrong path, but the, the best thing to do is just keep moving. Uh, and, and, you know, more, more paths will open. I think everyone looks at paths as like this route, you know, it's a fork in the road and you have to go left. And in order to go right, you would have to go back the equal amount of distance and turn back down that road. Uh, whereas life is just not that case. Like even doesn't matter if you do go left or right. Like, you know, back in those days I was whether I should move to Montana or not move to Montana. But what happens is when you take the left versus the right, inevitably more opportunities pop up, more roads pop up. And there's always a road that's going to go, you know, a different direction. And the thing about making decisions and I, I do feel like I still this day I think people's biggest problem is in in activity or you're not making a move uh, and so you just don't know not only do you not know what doors are going to get opened but the upside is that you're never going to know what the outcome was of choosing the other option say I stayed in Oregon maybe I stayed in Oregon and I created a million dollar business and sold it and you know and then I retired and lived every dream I ever wanted who knows but I'll never know the answer to that question. So the interesting thing is, is like people get hung up on whether to go left or right when like, it doesn't really matter. Like just keep going. It's not like you have to come back and make that turn again. You know, he's just more, more doors doors will open, more opportunities pop up. And so I think I, you know, very much kind of lived to that life. I don't look at things as like, ah, should I do this or should I do that? Like if if I make one decision, is it the bad decision? Is it the wrong decision? Am I going to have to come back to this? As long as one of the decisions is going to teach me something or put me in an opportunity that's a little bit closer to where I want to be, then it's a good decision. It may not be the best decision, but I'd rather make decisions and make things happen than not. You know, uh, since we chatted last, having kids getting married all these things um you know who do you want to be like yeah i want to be the cool dad that has kids and does fun things um and that was a big piece it was like hey we should probably have kids you know uh, i'm 33 now so what is i 31 at the time so it was like okay let's let's we should probably consider like how this is going to work out like we, we need to get on this whole kids bandwagon and stop being selfish and doing everything for ourselves uh you know and so mm. those are going to open up more doors uh and just Man, just do, do, do. I guess that's my motto. I don't know if it's right or wrong yet. Still still far too early to find out. Well, and we're never going to. Oh, right? Yeah. I mean, we're going to be able to, if you and I jump on a call in four more years, we'll be talking about how ill-equipped we were to make the decisions that we were discussing four years ago. Yeah. <laughs> no, oh, oh, totally. That's you just know, how life is. Like, I, that's where I struggle giving any advice because I'm like, man, go talk to someone who's got to figure it out. But then like, you, it's like kind of like being an adult. When you're an adult, you find out that no one really knew what they were doing the whole time. You just thought adults knew. Mm. Like it turns out nobody knows. All right. So I'll, I'll play ball with that. We can run into that a little bit. I think there's some fun conversation that we can have regarding um, – foundational truths like where what did you what did your family raise you to believe what did your your culture look like as a kid as a you know as an adolescent as a young adult what were some of those experiences that helped uh, shape you into kind of your worldview and then from making decisions from a making decisions standpoint I think you're already excluding a handful of bad decisions just because of <laughs> the you know just because of who you've become and your yeah. your choices aren't that that I guess that chasm that exists between a good call and a bad call 
is a, is a little bit shorter. It's not necessarily like, well, should I buy this rusted out F-150 that has, you know, three cylinders firing, or should I throw down $400 and get one of those screaming deals on a 2020 lease and drive the, the newest, shiniest? You're probably not yeah. going to have, that's not what's on your board. You're probably going, okay, well, my family raised me to be financially discerning. I'm probably not going to go buy a brand new car, but I really also want to drive something that's reliable. And automatically you kind of start going, all right, I'm looking for something that's, you know, maybe three years old or maybe seven years old. But that's a much shorter gap than the rust bucket or the brand new, you know, shiny one. No, for sure. And, and I guess you're, you're 100% right. And I think to play on that and to answer the question about, you know, how you were raised and all these things, I don't know where I got this from. And if you ask my mom, she has no idea either. But I think one of the best things I picked up as a kid was this ability to look forward at someone who was in the position I wanted to be in and be able to say, okay, what, what do they think about that situation versus what, what do I think that situation would be? Um, I'll give you an example, like whether it was like a career or you could take new vehicles, for example. So I could always be like, okay, do I want to be a police officer? Well, why don't I look at someone who is a police officer and how much do they like their job or a teacher or some, one of these things, you know? And so in the same capacity, like I was always able to be like, man, a new car sounds really cool, but people who've had a new car for six months don't really care about their new car. I'm just going to assume that I'm the same. Uh, and like, I think when you can have the ability to like look at someone and say, that's who I want to be like, uh, that's, I think where it stems from for me, uh, is I had a lot of mentors growing up. So my dad passed away when I was really young, but fortunately for me, like I had a lot of mentors step into that position. And so I got to see a lot of different people and like how they operated. And there was a lot of business owners and there was a lot of people that were like, okay, I'm like, Oh, this is where they are. Am I, is that what I want to do? Or is that where I want to go? And I think that kind of creates that, this way of thinking, right? It's a, it's a, it's a chain of thinking events. And that's how today I can be like, okay, uh, go back to my ammo company. Like I can always see the writing on the wall that this is a company I want to start. I want to have my own company. I was pretty gung ho about that. And I started this company, but then I could see the writing on the wall that like, in order for this to be as big as I want it to be, or make the income that I want it to make, I would have to be, let's just say a manufacturing side. So I'd have to get into the manufacturing business. Like, I don't really want to be a manufacturer of something. Uh, that sounds like a lot of work, you know, or like that sounds like more work and less time off. You know, I got into entrepreneurship so I could hunt all the time. Uh, so that's out. And so like, okay, like how do I rethink? I was always rethinking everything from the finish line to make sure how do I get there? So like, whether it's like, buying a new car i'm like yeah that's cool owning a a cool car is great but at the end of the day like who do you want to be and like i don't really care if i have a new car or not like there's probably things i would rather have so i always look at like the finish line and then go back um and i don't know where that came from but you know i guess i'm lucky i guess like saw that or the writing on the wall maybe yeah i don't yeah I, i think you touched on it i think mentors are a huge part of it I think that's that was kind of the back end of the conversation where I say, like, you know, you don't necessarily have 
um, the whole world ahead of you with every option every time you have an A or B decision. You just have A or B. You don't have A through Z. You just have A through B. And the reason you have A through B is because of the, the fundamental foundational stuff. But then I would say the other thing that allows you to make the wise decision between A and B would be who you've included into that decision. And I think that's where mentors step in. So let me ask you, let me flip it on its head. Like what decisions between our last podcast and this one, which ones would you take back or which, which ones would you have changed? I'm totally with you that I don't, I can't live in the past like that. I've made so many decisions that have changed my life trajectory since then that you'd be like, what? Um, And I was just, I was camping with some buddies this weekend. We were at Nordhaus Dunes and we were just having this conversation around the fire where one of my buddies was like, Drew, tell these guys how many jobs you've had. And I'm like, <laughs> you really want to get into it. And it's how many jobs have you had? I've had more than 18 jobs. No kidding. Yeah. That's, is that a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> and that's, I think that's part of the fairness of what we're talking about right now. This is, um, this has made me who I am. And if I were to say, oh, it's such a bad thing, then it would be a bad thing because I'd go into I would go into any sort of interview environment and say, oh, I've had all these jobs. Look at all these crimson stains on my resume. But instead, I choose to go, you know what? I'm capable. I'm confident. I'm competent. I have a lot to offer. I'm highly relational and my background includes a myriad of industries that have given me uh, kind of this generic language. I can kind of talk shop across a lot of different industries. Yeah. And that reminds me, I read, the, uh, I read this book recently. It's called uh, The Generalist. It's a generalist. generalist. I'm going to have to look it up. It's a green cover. Okay. Uh, to look up who it was. Give me two seconds. Yeah. Anyway, it talks about in a lot, like, there was a, a large era where we talked about specialists. And I think in a world of specialists, like we were all taught like, Oh, you know, the 10,000 hour rule and being the expert at one field. And like, that was the thing. And I think after a while, Oh, it's called rain. Yeah. It's called range by David, David Epstein. I'm going to write uh, that down. Hold on. Amazing book. It's a why generalist triumph in a uh, specialist world. Uh, man, it's such a good book. And it, and it talks about this and how like, we've trained everyone to like, Oh, a specialist, you have to specialize early. You have to be, you know, be great at this one thing. But what you're finding is that people who have a broader spectrum of backgrounds come at a problem in a different way. And so when you have 18 different backgrounds and you know, every industry, you're going to approach a problem very differently than someone who only sees black and white or has only seen the problem from one angle. So I think as like we reach this pinnacle of specialists, like there's people who, you know, started golfing at two and they become so great. Right. Um, but you're seeing some of some of the great athletes that come up today who actually played baseball and football. And so they, they have a different style in which they play basketball. In. And I think the same is true in like a professional field. Like I'm the same way. Like I come from a lot of different backgrounds. And so I can always look at something and be like, Oh, well in the shooting industry, this is how things work, blah, 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 blah. But you know, here's how I'm going to come to this problem in say the outdoor industry. Uh, and I think very much so like we're finding that people who have, broader range of backgrounds just to have a great ability to problem solve in a different way yeah yeah i would say that's true and i would say that is much of what what i've been um fortunate to say i can offer i'm always 
interested in what's next. I'm always hungry for what's next. I'm just kind of a lifelong learner in that way. But yeah, anyways, to circle back to the conversation, it was funny. It it was comical because I can rattle them off. I started off in the outdoor industry selling water filters. Then I went to logistics and I oversold myself in an interview and I became the sales manager for a trucking company, not knowing anything about trucking. (laughs) And I got canned in four months. Um, they let me go. It was really kind of a, it it was a moment where, uh, a perfect storm kind of of boiled up and I was in Michigan and miserable. Uh, my then girlfriend took an off campus semester. She was so excited about it. She didn't know I had bought a ring and I was serious about this whole thing. And so she goes to Spain. My best friend calls me and he's like, get out of there. It's making you miserable. Come out to Denver. So I went to Denver and I picked up a job slinging milk for a door-to-door delivery company. It was a dairy company. They still sell milk yeah. that way in Denver. Um, it's an awesome, crazy. awesome. That dude, you want to talk about cutting your teeth in sales? That is about as raw as it gets. So for two years, I knocked on doors. Then I transitioned into broadline food distribution. Then I went to owner operator. Uh, I was like part of a uh, automotive reconditioning concept that I was the pilot pilot uh, franchisee for, and it really took off. We sold that, and then uh, I didn't I didn't necessarily know how to navigate through a non compete very well, and uh, I really kind of <laughs> kind of botched that. Um, so I had to transition out of that industry and picked up a job in large large format print doing custom experiential marketing for like on mountain events. So that was really cool. I got to rub shoulders with a lot of cool people and engage in a lot of cool projects. But uh, that was short lived in the sense that my wife and I decided to transition back to Michigan and uh, be by the families. Um, So I said goodbye to that job. Then I picked up a job in material handling for Mitsubishi Caterpillar. And then I picked up a job uh, with a roofing company and, uh, working closely with, with buddies, uh, in that type of environment. It just didn't really work out. Um, and that's right about the time when I had a friend call me out and say, it's time for you to start pursuing something that makes you feel alive. And that is the, that is the point where adventure deficit became a reality. And that was the advent of the whole concept from that, that conversation we came up with, this thing that would just touch on all on all you know aspects and thus uh the the ad platform um but even after that i mean just not having it monetize in the way that i needed it to required me to jump back into work and cody right after you and i chatted in august of 17 was probably if in looking at like my life story, that was probably one of the most pivotal times in my life as far as work. Um, because I believe that I had, well, first of all, I read a book by a Presbyterian pastor by the name of Timothy Keller. It's called counterfeit gods. Tim Keller basically, uh, basically wrote a book that just shook me to my core. And it helped me identify that I had been absolutely worshiping um, success and wealth and monetary uh, monetary things, um, material things, I should say, rather. Not that success is wrong and not that wealth isn't a blessing, but 
I had put those in place of something that I had always thought was, was God's place. And I recognized at that time in my life that I was idolizing status. And it really, it shaped me into uh, who I am today. So um, I wasn't really... So I'm curious, how do you like, how do you change? And this is like a question kind of for myself as well. Yeah. Uh, how do you, how do you navigate like wanting success or finding success without letting it kind of overpower you yeah and while also like no matter what that is like finding you also your happiness so you're like you know like there's a lot of people like well any success is like oh you're just catering to the man right obviously there's i mean you have to have some success to even do the things you want to do so like how do you balance between success and you know what the man thinks you should do versus like being yourself yeah. Um, well, for me, uh, being, being a Christian requires me to look at that through a lens where I go, okay, well, what does the Bible say about that? And growing up, I had grown up in like a, in, in like a Christian reformed tradition where I was going to church twice every Sunday with mom and dad. And I think somewhere probably along the lines of, you know, sixth or eighth grade, I just started catering to this deep down desire to engage in more worldly type behaviors just because I thought it was freedom from what I had been raised in. And by the time I was in my 20s, that had manifested it itself into, you know, a handful of behaviors that were kind of towing the line, so to speak. And I don't want to make it sound like, um, you know, I was I was a mess because on the outside I was it appeared as though I had it all together. Um, but you know, college binge drinking turned into binge drinking in my late twenties and early professional life. And, um, you know, things that I would say the world is quick to say, Oh, no big deal. I was looking into the Bible and I'm going, you know what? If, if God's law says not to do this and I can see the detriment the adverse effect of indulging in that type of behavior, why wouldn't I just go back to the scripture and go, okay, God, I trust you. If you're going to give those type of parameters around the way that we ought to behave, why don't I just trust you and just say that that's, that's more or less like a blueprint for me to read rather than just a handful of stop signs. And, uh, I bought a Bible and I started digging into the word and, um, it became more and more important to me to make sure that I had kind of carved out that time to spend in the word in the mornings. Um, and that's how I start my days. And I would say that the decisions that I made to answer your question, the decisions that I started making regarding like, well, what, what does the man want me to be? I kind of said, I don't really care. I want to be what is honoring to God. And if that requires me to be something that doesn't look flashy or have three stall garages attached to it or have, you know, (laughs) you know what I'm getting at. If it doesn't, if it doesn't include, you know, a mountain of material wealth, well then so be it. Maybe that's not me. Um, and I just kind of started grabbing jobs just to, to pay bills. And in the meantime, I started being patient and I was like, you know what, I'm going to do what I need to do to pay the bills and, something 
will happen. Something good will happen. So I took a job with my father-in-law and my brother-in-law pushing concrete. Um, and that was just, I mean, that was a wild learning curve, like on the job, real time training, you know, like I'm running around like a chicken with my head off. My buddy's like mud's here. My brother's like, get that number five bar over here. I'm like, what, what's number five bar? You know, I'm running, running around just kind of being, yeah, it's, it's rough. But, uh, I did that with them for, uh, for a season. And then I transitioned out of that into doing seasonal work for UPS. And for a while I was driving RVs, uh, for a, for an RV manufacturer, um, or a transporter rather. I was driving RVs cross country. Um, it was, it was like, man, anything I could do just to make, you know, to wait and be patient. And eventually, uh, a job opened up in July of 2018, uh, the church that my wife and I attend uh, offered me a job with the men's ministry team, and I'm leading men's ministry at Ada. Nice, good for you, man. Yeah, it's and been it's been much, really cool. Man, how much does that that role wrap up everything? Like, it kind of is all encompassing to all the things that you know you've experienced. It's like, oh, it makes sense, right? Now, as someone who has broad experiences in multiple having it in multiple streams like you now understand what's what the big picture is dude never has it been Much more better. clear to me never has it been more yeah. like oh my word if you would have asked me in the middle of the concrete season i'd be like cody i don't know man i'm lost i have no idea <laughs> and that's not to say uh, like that's not to say i got it all together and like i'm never going to find myself in another spirit or another season of of trusting or like i'm never going to find myself in another situation where my spirit's just broken and downcast but um, man, it's really nice to look back at the last 12 years and go, that's not for nothing. That was for something yeah. and it's all applicable. No, I, I, I think that's, that's huge. Um, in the same way, like it's, it's no different than, um, so since then I've pretty much closed out my ammo company, you know, tried to, tried to sell it, didn't really work out, sold pieces of it. And I'm like, man, it feels like that's this giant loss. Right. But at the end of the day, like that was the learning lesson I needed. That was the education. Like I didn't get my MBA, but that was, I always say that was my MBA, but at least it made money instead of costing me money. Um, and you know, all those lessons learned, just move on to the next company. Yeah. 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 There's something to be said about, uh, about, uh, hard knocks education. I think, uh, it makes you, um, I think it makes you more, um, more attractive in any workplace, but I think it also just makes you more confident in yourself because you've seen it. You've truly seen it. You've not seen it in, in a textbook. You've seen it in application. Well, I mean, look at like, say concrete. Like if I told you like, okay, here's how, here's how we're going to do some flat work. Like we're going to pour this, uh, we're going to pour this job on Tuesday and here's what's going to happen. And then how much would that, how much of that would you retain versus like getting thrown in like, Hey, throw me the number five bar, you know, like we're going to screen this, like, this is what we're going to do. Like, you're going to know, you're like, you're like, you're learning like the hard knocks version and you got to like retain that. So, you know, fast forward a week from each version you know door number one is like you're going to learn about this in a book and door number two is like you're going to learn about it on the ground where people are relying on you and yelling at you for things that you don't know like man you're going to retain the second one totally (laughs) no that's funny no that's i was laughing uh i did a short stint doing concrete 
I can uh, tell. High school. I can I, tell. I learned <laughs> learned shit the hard way too. I was like, wow, <laughs> this is an eye opening. Yep. Yep. And they're not very quick to uh, they're not very quick to sugarcoat anything. You know, you know where they stand. No, there's not time to like, hey, here's how you do stuff. Like when mud hits the ground, like it's all chaos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just either learn or stay out of the way. Yeah, those are your two options. Gosh, even when you just start talking about like a mud truck, you can hear it coming from a mile away. And when you hear <laughs> that sucker start winding the gears down and and it's turning its uh, its mixer. You get this, like, yeah. th- there's this sense of angst. It's, I mean, it's stress, really, but you just kind of, your heart starts pounding, the guys start fiddling, everybody's moving, yeah. you know, trying to keep their, trying to keep their, their, their mind at ease, but it is unnerving. Yeah. You just got this big iron <laughs> giant coming after you full of mud. It's crazy. And, and concrete's not going to wait for you. No, like, it never does. whether you're ready or not. That's right. <laughs> Uh, maybe maybe there's a life lesson there. Like, concrete's drying whether you like it or not. It's kind of like life. Like, man, the next day is coming. Like, the best you can do is just kind of keep the irons and the fires and, and try to keep up. But there it like, is. Life is going to happen whether you want it to or not. There it is. That's definitely a good analogy for kids. Like, I, you know, you can read all the books you want about how to be a good parent, but at the end of the day, man, nothing – punches you in the face like a newborn you're like okay now what yeah and they man keep things just keep happening like it's just like okay i'm just gonna try to keep up like but i think it's important you know as i like became a, a parent this last year and uh it's really i think the toughest transition for me is like as someone who was a work am a workaholic and works 24 7 is always trying to keep irons in the fire and keep them going it's like all of a sudden here's this thing that is like not only is it like i take up a ton of time but it's interesting to watch how your shift is like kind of want to just go hang out with my kid later like that's pretty much all i want to do you know and it's like and yet you still want to balance all these other projects that you're doing like you have these big plans right and so it's very much a okay let's scale back some of these projects because this this little project here is pretty time consuming and yeah. pretty cool to hang out with too yeah they are uh, it's funny. I bounce back and forth with that. Um, I find myself, yeah, of course I love my kids. I'm super, super geeked to have a healthy, happy family and, and to take that for granted would be a crying shame. But at the same time, I just have this inner, I mean, I have this, this stallion. I want to run, man. Yeah. I want to go. No. And, uh, no, for sure. I'm trying to channel that energy and put it towards something positive that allows me to feel fulfilled without necessarily taking you know, an entire day to myself to suit up, head out, come back, experience, you know, a a family that's been taxed for my absence, but then also demands my full attention once I'm back and I'm tired. You know what I mean? That's why I don't, it's it's like, you can't, you have to pick, you have to pick the sports that you can still play. I haven't done a whole lot of adventuring, uh, since the kid was born, but like, uh, my buddy invited me, we went snow biking and, just wiped out after a long day and you forget that you know my wife is there taking care of the kid and and like she's ready to like tap out like had him all day Mm -hmm. and so like i get home and i'm like i'm smoked and then like you just get this kid (laughs) on top of it you're like oh yeah you know like i could go to sleep right now but or not right stay on this kid for a while (laughs) yeah yeah and i think that takes 
real life experience to figure that out. Like you have to go out on a full day excursion and come back trashed, completely yeah. out of energy and spent, fully anticipating a couch surf session for an hour and then have a screaming newborn put in your face while wifey yeah, goes and dude. gets a minute. You know what I mean? You have to live through that a couple of times in order to go, okay, I'm going to have to start to whittle down my, <laughs> my, my, you know, my passions wow. here. I'm going to have to figure out what really makes me tick and put, you know, those much, those much anticipated two weeks worth of fun in hunting or in surfing or in biking or whatever it is. But I can't have, dude, I've got a gear closet that it's, stacks of gear from all across the board most of it's not getting touched like with uh, kids as much like uh starting another company like you have to get uh you have to get really really particular about what you're gonna do you know like time is you know everyone has the same amount of time but you have to get real picky with your time and same with like the hobbies like i i definitely have gotten and you know my kids only been here for six months uh and so there's a little bit of that and I got to give my wife credit. It didn't change my hunting season a whole lot, but having said that, like, I think there's a lot that's, you know, now instead of snow biking or snowmobiling every other weekend, it's like, okay, I'd rather not do those things and still maintain my hunting lifestyle. So it's like, you just have to get picky. And the same is true. in like, you know, work demands, like you want to launch a new project. You know, I'm sure when you launched a, you know, a podcast, it's like, you have to get picky about your time and like, okay, what things are moving the needle and what things do I have time for and which ones do I not? And man, that's one thing that, it's like I thought I had that dialed pretty well, and then kids come along. Like, okay, need to refine this again because I do not have enough time in the day. Yeah, it's an ongoing process, man, and I commend you for oh, for, for sure. going through it. It's I think here's the thing: a dad who's trying. That's a step up from what a lot of folks had. Yeah, a dad who's trying. No, it's a step up, man. I'm I'm blown away by what I've encountered, um, just in people's stories and what I see, you know, um, around me, but just having dads who care is a huge step up for creating an environment for, for any human to thrive. No, for sure. And I, you know, it's funny. Cause, um, when, I mean, when my dad was around, he worked a lot. Like I never saw my dad before 6 PM. Uh, I didn't see him in the morning. I didn't see him, you know, right after school or whatever. Uh, that, and that was normal to me. Like I didn't know any different, but like when we went hunting or fishing or something, like he was all in, like he was just obsessed with it. And I think that's important. I see a lot of, uh, a lot of parents that, you know, may judge like, oh, well, you work too much, you're a workaholic, you know, you spend more time with your kids. Yet when they're hanging out with their kids, they're like on their phone or like, you know, doing other stuff. And like for me, like I want to lead by example. I want my kids to be like, yeah, dad works his face off, but he also plays hard or he cares. Like, and I think that's like what you said, like just showing them that you care yeah. is probably as important. And oh, yeah. Just being there. Without a doubt. There. Like but- it doesn't have to be. 50 hours a week or whatever like you know three hours a day but if you're there and you're like you're all in on them at that moment i think that's to me like growing up that's what was important it was like yeah dad works all the time but when he's here like we do cool stuff or we hang out or like it was it was very much like a hey we're doing stuff not necessarily just like you know hey your dad's there all the time but what's 
how engaged. Not really. Yeah. Not really checking in on you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's really valid. I think there's, there's a lot of truth to that. And yeah, it was the same for me. My dad was working, you know, 70 hours a week plus. Yeah. And I don't really remember, you know, save for the, the outings. I don't really remember him being around much, but when he was there and we were doing fun stuff, he was all in. And I don't Man, think. I mean, isn't that normal though? Yeah, I mean, and, and it's. <laughs> I, know, I, I look at as normal because, like, that's how I grew up. Oh like, yeah, I mean, don't hear me wrong, man. Like, I don't. I, there's no woe is me in there. Like, I, I had a great. Yeah, yeah. I had a great setup. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, let's let's jump into um, some structure here, shall we? Sure. Um, if you would indulge me, I just think it'd be a lot of fun to take. Uh, maybe a crack at growth that's taken place since 2017 uh, and bring us up to present day and then swing back and, and uh, talk to me about kind of the mantra that you threw out, which is never give up. You don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, so just to give people a context, by 2017, uh, like you said, I was in Oregon. Uh, I was divorced in 2014. Um, I had met my current wife, but we were kind of just dating. Uh, so 2000, yeah, 2017, we hadn't moved to Montana yet. Um, and things were going pretty well with the podcast. I launched a podcast in 2015. So things were kind of taking off with that. And it was starting to take over uh, my first company, which was an ammunition company that I took over in 2012 uh so that company was doing good but then i started the podcast it was doing pretty well uh but i knew that the ammo company wasn't like a long-term thing and so i had started the podcast to figure out what's next i really didn't know like my goal was like hey let's build an audience um and solve a problem for them in some capacity uh so probably really shortly after we did that podcast because it was like september it was September of 2017 where I had this idea for a subscription box and didn't even think of it as my own idea. Like I was like, oh, someone should do this. This is a great idea. And uh, I kind of kicked it around and gave it to a few people, entrepreneur friends. I was like, hey, you should do this idea. This is a great idea. Uh, and they're like, ah, I don't know if it'd work or not. Like, oh my, it'd work. Just trust me. Just do it. <laughs> and so I gave it to a few people. No one ever did anything with it. And then it was probably like December. I was like, wait a minute, this, this is the idea I was looking for. Like, hold on, I take it back. You guys can't have it if you're not going to do anything with it. Uh, so I should probably do it myself. And so we had moved to Montana, November, I want to say third, it was early November. Uh, no place to go. Uh, my wife, girlfriend at the time, basically went on a limb with me. I'd sold my house in August, went hunting for two months. Uh, and, uh, we decided to move to Montana in early November nowhere to go got here got to montana and the first place we looked at we're like love this place so we rented it and uh yeah moved here january i launched the backcountry fuel box we didn't really do anything until march we shipped our first box i think in march of 2018 uh and it was like full startup mode uh me and another friend we were just jamming as many hours a day as we could, you know, yeah. like just trying to get this thing off the ground. Yeah. And, hold on. Uh, hold on a second. So you named, yeah. you chose to name this, this endeavor backcountry fuel box. Um, 
Yep. I mean, a lot of that, a lot of that makes sense to me, but just uh, explain it. Oh, so backcountry fuel box was like I had. So it kind of came out like the idea stemmed from there was a bunch of really cool products. So I spent a lot of time in the backcountry. Uh, snacks. I had been eating the same Cliff Bars, Mountain House, and Old MREs uh, for long enough that if I never had another one, I'd be perfectly content. Uh, and so I was like, there, there's this the green bellies that were kind of at the time and I really liked green bellies, uh, but I'd always have to order them. And I was like, my girlfriend at the time had this subscription box, some gym thing. And, uh, I was like, Hey, they just send you a box of this stuff every month. I'm like, man, someone should do that for green bellies. And that's when the idea came. Uh, I was like, I didn't want, this was kind of before people were like sending products in subscription, at least I, before I knew about it. Uh, so then I came to this idea. I was like, Oh, I started looking at these subscription boxes. I was like, man, this would be perfect for like all the food that I use in the back country. You know, the bars, the snacks, the meals, because there's tons of these cool companies. I just don't have time to order them. And I don't want to order like one or twos of everything. So I was like, man, this is a great idea. Someone should do it. And I'll be the first subscriber. Like I'll be the first person to buy it. Um, so they always say like solve your own niche. Right. And like, so that's how the company started. I literally gave it to people so they would send me a box. I didn't really want the company. Uh, I was like, yeah, this is a great idea. Anyway, fast forward, like, okay, like, why don't we do it? Or why don't I do it? And so that's when we started like just grinding. Okay. Okay. And this was in March of 18. Yeah, basically between January and March, we built it, and we shipped the first box in March, I believe, okay. uh, in March. And there was a lot of things where I was just like, well, it works for that company. Let's do that. Cool. Add that to the website. <laughs> like, I didn't really know much about it. Sure, sure. Okay, uh, so Backcountry Fuel, uh, that's a brand-new element that kicks off in the gap between we between our, our former conversation and now. Uh You've got a new place to call home, so you've got a new address, and it's not down the road. It's uh, cross state, a couple <laughs> yeah. state lines. And, uh, and then so I proposed my girlfriend in January. Uh, I was kind of like, okay, we're moving to Montana. Let's get and it. We kind of talked a little bit about it, uh, but it was a big surprise to her. So I proposed to her. Uh, and decided that why mess around? Let's get married this summer instead of waiting a full year. That just seems silly. Yeah, we got married uh, July, and you know, from there, well, I guess from there, it's kind of like slowed down. I, I did feel like when we first moved to Mon- moved to Montana, it was like all in. Um, yeah, but it was good, you know. And like, it goes back, like, just keep pushing. You never know what's gonna happen. Uh, and I think it's kind of been like that, man. It's been day by day, and then um, uh, decided we'd have a kid. And a lot of the reason we were talking about having a kid was we were working on adopting my little nephew. And, uh, so we're like, okay, this is kind of a big piece of it because realistically, if we're going to have kids, we don't want a huge gap in it. So we've been working on adopting. So like, okay, let's, let's have our own as well. Uh, and so like, that was kind of a lot of the rush, you know, uh, we ended up getting pregnant like six months after our wedding and, you know, everyone likes to make those remarks like, Oh, you know, not waiting around. Like, well, I mean, we are low 30s, so it's not like we're spry chickens here. Like, probably, if we want to have kids, we should probably get on that. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, everything works out for a reason. So, uh, yeah, it has been chaos since I last talked to you. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible, man. All right. Bring it light. Yeah. Um, what did you decide to name your child? It was Baby Wade. So, oh, beautiful. Uh, yeah, so we went with Wade. Wade, that's a good. You know what? 
that fits, Cody. That fits for right? a dad for a dad like you. I've got to imagine <laughs> a woman who can keep up with you and uh for the place where you guys call home. Man, that yeah. Wade Wade works. That's great. <laughs> the other thing is I feel like no one's ever going to pick on a kid named Wade. No. Nope. <laughs> Not going to happen. And Wade, maybe it's man. Just my that, brain, but I was she would come up with names and like I would definitely pick on that kid. Wade had that name. Yeah. No, Wade hits fast balls and rides rides bulls. <laughs> Exactly. You know? So, yeah. That's cool, man. Awesome. Okay, so fatherhood. Talk to talk to us a little bit. Bring us through uh bring us through the crazies. What do you got? What's what's the what is the the one part of fatherhood that you can shout out to uh to our listeners uh, in a way in a way where they'll all get a chuckle but they'll all know your pain. For those of us who, for oh, those of man. us who are dads, uh, dude, I will give mad props to all the moms out there. Like I, I, I will say, like I, I thought I knew what this whole thing would sort of be like. I'm not gonna say I knew what was gonna happen, but I gotta give props to all the moms out there because, like, way more work than I thought it was going to be. And apparently, like I, so baby comes home, and this is kind of comical. Uh, baby comes home and. He sleeps pretty well. He gets up like once a night at first. And I'm like, oh, tit, our kid's a champion sleeper. Like, no problem. We got this. Started telling people how good of a sleeper was. Like, calling people. I'm like, hey, my kid sleeps. Yeah. Did not <laughs> knock on wood on that one. I screwed the pooch, man. <laughs> like, a couple weeks into it, he is up all the time. Like, just will not sleep. Crap napper. Will nap in the day. Will nap at night. And I'm just like, man, I, I totally put that on myself. My bad. <laughs> so uh, we're – it wasn't until about six months. Like, and it got so bad. Like, okay, we got to sleep train this kid. Like, we got to get this under control. Because, uh, like, neither one of us sleeping. Like, to the point where one would sleep on the couch just so, like, one person would, like, not sleep the entire night dealing with a baby. And the other one could sleep all night. And so we did, like, shifts. Like, we got to get this under control. And so, uh, yeah, we successfully, I don't know. I, I shouldn't even say that now. I'm going to knock on wood pre pre this statement. But I feel like we've got, the sleeping has got a lot better. He's, like, sleeping through the night. And, like, you'll never know success, like, the first time your baby sleeps through the night. You're like, all is good with the world. Like, we're good. <laughs> so true. It is so uh, true. I have made that. I've made that. Uh, miserable failure as well uh thinking like oh this is cake work no problem we can you know as long as we get eight hours yeah as long (laughs) as you get eight hours you can do anything until the tides turn or an ear infection comes or some sort of weird colic hits your kid and they decide that for a month you're not going to sleep more than three hours and that will it makes you rethink everything. You go, how is this so common? How is it possible for so many people to I have kids? I got a question for you is like <laughs> now having multiple kids. Yeah. How do you like willingly sign up for that again? Is it like pure like amnesia to like you forget all of the pain points? Because I was know, like the whole time we are going through like the first six months, I was like, I'm not going to forget this. This sucks. I'm not going to forget this. Yeah. But I feel like like every parent gets that amnesia like two to three years down the line. They're like, yeah, 
having a baby sounds like a great idea. Yeah, for sure. So I haven't really had a whole time to, I haven't had a whole lot of time to answer that specific question, but the way that I just thought through it makes sense. So I'm going to throw it out there. I think that after you have your first kid, you experience such a 180 degree reversal on all of your attention going from self or spouse to something else where you have, by the time you've had a kid for a significant amount of time, you have learned how to live for others and you stop living for yourself. So in order to add to that, it's not like you have to go back to living for yourself before you jump back through the hoop of living for others again. Like there's this new selfless you and every, every life that you bring into that pack just creates a bigger smile from the, from the new and improved you. Yeah. I mean, I could definitely see that. Like it definitely changes a person. It, um, it does. And I, I don't want to make it ride for sure. It's, you know what? We just had, so we had our first in 2012, our second, a daughter in 2015 or 2014, 2014. And then, um, yes, yeah, so we have a seven-year-old and a five-year-old. And then just two weeks ago, we had our third. And that gap has been more the focus of conversation than anything else where people are like, so it was a whoops. And we're like, no. Oh, we just honestly, we felt like we were ready for another one. Um, yeah, that's good for you, man. Yeah, you know. I think one of the things I struggle with that I haven't figured out the answer to yet is that, like, adventure in some capacity has been my identity mm-hmm. for so long that it's really hard to transition away from that and be like, okay, now this is my new identity, yeah. which – I mean, it's not to say, I mean, I think everyone goes through that, like this identity crisis a little bit. Um, I mean, that's essentially what a midlife crisis is, right? Uh, and not having a midlife crisis, just more like this is, you know, my identity of adventure and doing crazy things has always been the norm. Yep. And now with, you don't want, you don't want to be bad dad to be the new identity. You know, right. like, like, it's not like you're like, oh, I can still keep both. But you don't want to be like, oh, well, crappy dad is your new identity. Like, so I, I don't know, for some reason, like, I, I worry about that more than I probably should. And like, even, even with entrepreneurship, like you worry about like being a bad uh, role model, so to speak. And like, you can read a lot of books, uh, a lot of entrepreneur books and a lot of like, you look at the greats, you'll read these stories and you're like, but the under, like, if you read between the lines, you were just kind of a shitty husband or a crappy dad. And you're like, man, I really don't want to do that. Like, if that's what success costs, I don't want it. And yeah. I think that's where it's like the struggle is finding that balance between like being you, like and having this identity of going and doing crazy things, like climbing mountains and, and whatever you want to do, but also being the good role model yeah. for this little person that you just brought into the world. Yeah. Uh, oh, a hundred percent. And I don't think, I mean, I think it all boils down to also where, what is success, right? Is success a hundred thousand followers is success, you know, a seven figure income is success. Um, you know, a couple vacation homes or, uh, a flexible work schedule. What is success? And I think yeah. ultimately, yeah, you, you might run the balance beam of, of, paying really heavy consequences for your 
actions if success is material or if it's monetary because what that requires is just uh, a grind that won't allow you to be available on some level. I think you've got some flexibility in the way that you raise your kids. It doesn't always have to be, you know, hey, dad works 60 hours, mom stays at home, and uh, everybody's, you know, got their everybody's got their role figured out. No, I think like right now I'm working part time. My wife has stepped it up in her job in such a way where she's being rewarded handsomely for her work. She's got a heck of a work ethic. She's a dynamite mom, but it also requires me to go, okay, well, this isn't the way I thought it was going to be, but I have to step into some roles that I would traditionally have thought she was going to, she was going to, you know, fill and I find myself, you know, taking kid, two kids to school three times a week. Yeah. If my wife wouldn't recognize that being wild fulfills me on some level and goes the extra mile to make sure that I get a, a, an appropriate dose of that from time to time, I wouldn't be talking to you. I wouldn't be in a good space. I just got back from a. No, for sure. I just got back from a two-day, one-night overnight in the woods with five five new friends and a brand new experience underway like we grabbed a bunch of firewood loaded up a sled got uh you know got our winter camp on and there's a handful of stories that go that go with that but you know steaks and eggs in the morning and and back to home by noon and it's like that was that was what i needed it wasn't seven days but it's what i needed yeah so i think no, it's just finding balance no, that's right, true. And I, I find myself like, yeah, even this time of year, it's like, okay, I need to need to go do something. I need to get get out because just grind at work and you know, it's kids and all that. And for the record, like my you know, my wife's got like every Tuesday night, I'm like, hey, go do whatever you want to do. I got a kid. Do you? Uh, Rocket. Yep. That's a, yeah. That's we important. Do that. Like she does like Tuesday night because she has like spend class and then she'll go, you know, hang out with the girls or or not whatever uh and then on thursdays uh thursdays are kind of my night where i do league night real crazy real crazy these days spin class and league night god if that's not growing up i don't know what is it is what it is though you know you, you gotta wear that badge so, oh for sure With yeah pride man dude that's really cool one of these days i would love to make uh a trip out your way and i'd love to keep i don't i don't foresee this being um easy but i also think it would be really cool to check out the state i love montana i've never been there i love it from what i've seen on yeah photos and i'm going i need to get yeah, out there come out. um but i think it would be really cool for an afternoon to be carved out where we could sit down and do an in-person as well we could do a an episode out there and um i could also get my adventure fix in that great state of yours man. for sure man dude anytime come out we're gonna do uh do some hiking we'll do like an m lap or something and do something cool and a podcast yeah awesome man hey enjoy that new baby enjoy your uh your fatherhood with wade and uh yeah. and being married in your new place i'm excited for you there's a lot of cool changes underway and it's uh, it's really been uh fun catching up hopefully we can do this again for sure, man. And uh, good luck with everything. Let me know if I can help with the podcast. Cool. Um, anything. Let me know. Cool. Thanks, Cody. All right, man. All right. Later, man. See ya.